You're listening to the Eddie Out Podcast. Current conversations with our community and their connections to the river. Hosted by Natalie Zollinger. Welcome. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning back into another episode here of the podcast. I know it's been a while since I last launched an episode. Did you miss me? Hope so. I took a little break to do some soul searching, surf some waves, and reconnect with my why. During this time off, I actually took the time to re-listen to each episode I've published over the last seven months. And wow, 37 episodes later, I'm impressed. The biggest change I noticed was my confidence behind the mic. You wouldn't know it, but I'm pretty shy when it comes to public speaking. So this has been a great challenge for me to overcome. This journey has been so fun, and I couldn't have done it without you all. So huge shout out again to all of you listening in. I've officially reached over 11,000 downloads, and maybe that's not a lot to you, but holy shit, it's a lot to me. I can't even believe it. And the best part is, I've reached over 25 countries around the world with these episodes. Huge shout out to you if you're listening to this outside the US and Canada. I'm in shock every day that you've taken the time to not only listen, but to write reviews and donate to the show. Thanks again to all of you who have been showing up each week to listen and learn from our amazing guests. I fucking love you all. Thanks again. Now, on to the show. My guest today is Megan Miola Heath. Megan is the Communications Outreach and Marketing Manager for Coalition for the Poudre River Watershed, or CPRW. She sat down with me to talk about the CPRW nonprofit and their involvement with the Poudre River Festival, coming up August 21st at New Belgium Brewery in Fort Collins, Colorado. I wanted to get Megan on the podcast to talk about her story and the fire behind her dedication and endless passion for the nonprofit work around the river. In this episode, we talk about Megan's childhood, how she found the river, her path towards the nonprofit sector, and what the future holds for her, her family, and her career. I fucking love this conversation and know you will too. And without further ado, Megan Miola Heath. All right, welcome back, everyone. Today we have the pleasure to eddy out with Megan Mayola Heath. Megan is here representing the Coalition for the Poudre River Watershed. Megan, welcome to the show. I'm really stoked to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and we're just meeting for the first time, and you've just got an awesome energy about you, and I'm just really excited to hear not only, you know, what you're doing for the Poudre River Watershed, but also, you know, your your life story and kind of how you came to be and um, in the position you are today. So before we dive into, you know, the, the professional side of um, of the, the nonprofit and, and the river festival that we're going to talk about, can you talk a little bit about... Um, you know, what it was like growing up, where you grew up, and uh, how you kind of came to the outdoors or the river. Sure. Um, so I grew up on the Front Range of Colorado in a little town called Monument, which is between Colorado Springs and Castle Rock. Um, it's a beautiful town that I don't think I fully appreciated until I became an adult, but... <laughs> As always, right? <laughs> yeah, whenever I go back, I always just... I'm amazed at how beautiful it is there. But um, I was raised by pretty outdoorsy parents. Um, so we did a lot of like backpacking and 
camping and hiking and fishing. Um, so I definitely learned about the outdoors through my parents and developed an appreciation for it through them. Um, and they're also pretty like environmentally conscious type people and kind of learned about an environmental ethic from them. And then I decided to go to CU Boulder for my undergrad and just um, kind of got even more into the outdoors at CU and did a lot of skiing and <laughs> um, probably more than I should have. <laughs> um, but yeah, did a lot of skiing. And then uh, when I was 18, one of the summers in college, I uh, trained to become a raft guide on Clear Creek. And that's kind of where I developed like just an obsession with rivers and just um, learned an appreciation for the power of water. And I'm um, also just kind of really developed a lot of confidence as a woman guiding. Um, so that was a pretty big experience in my life that like probably changed me forever was becoming a raft guy, like changed my entire course of what I wanted to do with my life. I think it does that for everyone. It did that for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And are you still in that area in Monument or where are you at now? Um, so I live in Fort Collins now. I've lived here for 13 years. Uh, I Before that, we, my husband and I lived up in the mountains ski bumming and guiding, but decided we needed to get out of the ski town and maybe uh, pursue some master's degrees and see if we could find a career in, in the fields that we were interested in. He's a hydrologist and I was interested in the nonprofit side of things and environmental policy and um, water law. So we uh, ended up getting our master's degrees and staying on the front range here in Fort Collins. Oh, that's rad. So your undergrad was what? So my undergrad was uh, psychology. So just a good old liberal arts degree. Um, <laughs> and I got a, a master's in public administration from the uh, University of Colorado, Denver. And I studied environmental policy, management and law, and then also nonprofit management. Mm. Are you the oldest or do you have any um, siblings? I actually am the youngest. I have a, a brother. He's three and a half years older than me. And then a sister who's 15 years older. <laughs> oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, I've got mm -hmm. some of that uh, similar, like I have a brother yeah. 17 and then this bro another brother that's 16. And then it's like one year after that, 15, 14, 13, 12. <laughs> I'm the baby of 11 kids as opposed Whoa. to three. <laughs> uh, I was, I asked that because, um, you know, to me, it's, you, you know, how to use your voice. And so um, I assume that, you know, being the oldest, like you've learned that voice, but sometimes the youngest also has to kind of shout out and, you know, say what they want and, and be in the, in the light and, and, and fight for it. And, um, what made you confident as like, as a, a, you know, the youngest to, to really like know your voice and, um, to, you know, feel comfortable enough to kind of work it into the government scene and, and law and policy. Um, I think I probably got my most confidence from my mom. I feel like she had just always made us feel like we were just capable. And um, yeah, I think she probably just instilled the most confidence in me, especially as a woman. Mm. Just, 
that I could do anything I wanted, whether I was a man or a woman or um, however you identify. And um, but especially as a woman in this society, like uh, she she definitely instilled that confidence in me. That's cool. And also probably river guiding help too, right? Trip leading and safety yeah. talks and just like starting <laughs> to learn your voice and the power of, of tone. And, and I remember when I first did my first safety talk, they're like, there's a difference between yelling and using your voice. And I think you're on the yelling side. And I was like, I don't know how to use my voice yeah. if I don't yell. And so it took me a few years to really understand, like to command attention and power um, and the tone, like, hey, you know, something's pretty serious. Like, wh- how do you express that in tone versus in, in you know, volume? Right. Yeah, and definitely. So. I think that's a good point. <laughs> Especially when things, uh, you know, get dicey on the river. You don't want to scare people, but you need them to know that you mean business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's guiding definitely uh instilled a lot of confidence especially when you could tell people like weren't excited that they got stuck with you know the small female Mm. guy who doesn't look very strong you know and there's a bunch of men that they could have you know been on a boat with um so that you know you have to prove yourself a little bit in that way you do like yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end, you're like the favorite and they're like, Oh, we should have gone with her the whole time. It's like the silent killers. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so also when I when I hear you say that you studied, you know, the um politics and and law and um policy, and I part of me thinks, you know, that you care enough about the river that you want to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and where did that just that that love and like, I want to fight for this and I care for this and I'm willing to make this my career. Like when did that switch for you and how? Um, I think actually doing some international travel. We, um, my husband and I went down to South America and uh, we were living down there for a while, like doing a little bit of guiding and traveling. And um, we saw some, pretty um egregious just abuse of natural resources mm. uh, we were down in ecuador and um experienced some pretty intense situations that like directly affected the community that we were living in and um, with like oil extraction and um also just like really poor resource management and uh that totally changed my world view and also just what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, and I just, from there, I started looking for schools that I could, you know, learn more, get a master's degree. And then from there, just kind of launched into the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I also hear like nonprofit, I, I, I see like endless, empathy (laughs) and heart, you know, that you just, because it's, it's a bit of an undertaking to work with a nonprofit and it's a lot of energy and um, you've got to have some sort of thing that either writes you like a, like a North star or something that's driving you like fuel. Um, What do you think out of those two, or if you can add 
a different type of visual for, for people listening. Like, what is it that keeps you wanting to fight for it? Is it like an ethic or is there fuel inside you? <clears throat> most recently, it's just seen, um, you know, for a long time, you, we were hearing about climate change was coming, but now we are so deep in it, especially in the Western U.S., that is my fuel, I think, most recently. And I have a son who's three and a half. Oh, congratulations, your mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so just mm. he fuels that too. And um, seeing how much he loves being on the river and just being outdoors, I just want to do something. And even though every day it's overwhelming, you know, we like, <laughs> can't just lay down and roll over and give up. Um, and we like, we are living in like a world that's ne- it's never going to be the same again with like climate change is here. It's now we just had in Colorado in the whole West, but you know, we just broke shattered heat records um, in the Poudre river watershed. Uh, you know, we're, working day in and day out to recover from the largest wildfire in Colorado history that was within our watershed, the Cameron Peak Fire, um, fueled, you know, by drought, you know, a lot of poor forest management, but, you know, climate change is a big factor in, in the drought situation. Um, so yeah, I could go on and on, but I think that's my biggest fuel right now. And then also just seeing how climate change is affecting our rivers and that's like for me is really tangible because I love running rivers and like some of my favorite rivers right now have no water in them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's pretty scary, especially within the Colorado River Basin. Mm-hmm. So, so speaking yeah. of, you know, yeah. the Colorado or the Co- coalition for the Poudre River watershed and just you just kind of brought up you know the the western or the front range um can you talk a little bit about how you found cpr uh w so we'll say it as that verse saying coalition for the poudre river watershed it's a mouthful (laughs) for me and i'm sure for people listening but the cprw um yeah can you talk a little bit about that and if there was any other nonprofits before that and kind of the timeline that you got to the to landing and with that nonprofit Yeah, so I worked for an environmental nonprofit based in Fort Collins called Trees, Water, and People, and I worked for them for seven years, and uh, they do a lot of international development work throughout Central America, like reforestation, clean cook stoves, solar energy, um, sustainable agriculture. They're a wonderful organization, Um, and with uh, that experience, I kind of cut my teeth a bit in the nonprofit world and got into like fundraising and marketing. And, um, in 2012, when I was working at or 2012 or 2013, um, when I was working at trees, water and people, the high park fire happened here in the Poudre watershed. And out of that came the, uh, high park fire, um, or the coalition for the high park fire. I think I, I might, of botched that, but either way, it was a coalition that developed to help address post-fire mitigation and restoration work. And Trees, Water, and People was the fiscal sponsor of that until they became the coalition for the Poudre River watershed and became their own 501c3. So that is kind of how I knew about CPRW. 
and had a little bit of a connection to the beginnings of it. And then I was actually a board member of CPRW for a while. So I was um, involved on that side of things. And then I also did some consulting for them, but I always wanted to be a staff member, right? So eventually at the end of (laughs) 2020, it was my dream job. Like I will one day be employed by this organization. (laughs) I manifested that. (laughs) And finally at the end of 2020, they had um, funding to hire a, a communications outreach and marketing manager. And so I put my name in the hat and I applied and I ended up getting the position. Um, so here I am today. <laughs> Sorry, it's my dog. That's okay. Well, congratulations. Dedication pay off for you. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry about my dog. That's okay. Many, many, many interviews with dogs. <laughs> so I'm sure everyone who has a dog has, has probably heart. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably hear a toddler at some point as well, but okay. <laughs> Did the mailman come or mailwoman? Usually that's like, um, oh, no, actually my husband just leaving now to go on a bike ride with Jory. So, oh, nice. Cool. Well, hello yeah. to the husband. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Wow. What an, what a cool thing for you to, you know, to kind of shift from the trees, water and people nonprofit over to uh, helping with, well, that was a fiscal sponsor, right? To the post fire mitigation of uh, the coalition for the pooter or what fire. Oh, so it started out as um, kind of focused on that one fire, the Hyde Mm -hmm. Park. Oh, Hyde Park. Yeah. Yeah. So the Hyde Park fire was about 90,000 acre fire at that point. It was, the biggest fire that Larimer County had ever seen. And it was, um, I mean, it was a disaster on many levels. A lot mm. of people lost their homes. There's a lot of water quality problems after that. And then it was followed by the floods of 2013 that hit the whole front range of Colorado. So it was just a total disaster. So mm. the High Park Fire um, Coalition developed into this broader scope of you know we have to address like a lot of different concerns within the Poudre River watershed it's not just this fire there's so many other things that we need to address within this watershed and it's a really um the river itself is just a really interesting river with a lot of different users uh uh, actually within the Poudre watershed is where the doctrine of prior appropriation originated and that is the you know major tenet of Colorado water law which is essentially first in time first in right so there's a lot of history here with Colorado water law Mm. um, and just how we use our rivers when there's so many different competing interests so it's a pretty fascinating watershed for for all those reasons plus add all the wildfire and flooding and it's complex. <laughs> yeah. Well, can, since we're on the topic, can you just give the listeners a visual of to where the headwaters are and um, where it, it meets with the next river that continues to get bigger and moves downstream? Sure. Yeah. So the headwaters are up in um, Rocky Mountain National Park. You can actually drive to the headwaters. It's called Pooter Lake. There's some mm. beautiful hiking up there. There's some other, um, <clears throat> tributaries as well. There's the North Fork and the South Fork of the Pooter. 
So there's three major tributaries, but the main stem comes out of Rocky Mountain. Um, it's it's a pretty large um, area. The watershed itself covers about 1,900 square miles. Hmm. It's, um, it's also really special because the upper, so we kind of divide it between the upper pooter and the lower pooter. The upper pooter has uh, about 75 miles of wild and scenic river. It's the only wild and scenic river designation in Colorado. Um, So that's really special uh, part of the the river as well. And then the lower half is designated as a national heritage area for, uh, like I mentioned earlier, for the, its importance in the development of Western water law. So uh, yeah, it flows into the South Platte, which is in Greeley. And so we are part of the South, South Platte Basin. Mm, okay. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting as well because it covers so much different type of terrain. Like you're all the way up, start all the way up in the headwaters in Rocky Mountain National Park. And then, you know, flows all the way down through the Poudre Canyon, you know, uh, through the mouth of the canyon to Fort Collins, you know, which is a pretty big city of 160,000 some people. Then it hits the plains and starts, you know, flows through Windsor and Timnath and then into Greeley, which is, you know, totally flat Eastern plains. And then, you know, by the time it dumps into the, to the uh, plat, it's just a totally different river than what you see up in the upper Pooter. And by that point has, you know, probably uh, the water's probably been used several times <laughs> and, you know, treated and dumped back into the river. Um, so it's a, it's a very, like we, we described it as a very hardworking river because it mm. provides so much water to irrigate a lot of ag um, land. And then also a lot of 300,000 plus people rely on the river mm-hmm. for their drinking water. And are you the only nonprofit really focused on the Poudre River watershed? Um, there's a couple other organizations. So there's the National Heritage Area, um, which is managed by the Poudre Heritage Alliance, but they kind of focus more on that lower section and the history and cultural resources. Uh, there's an organization called Save the Poudre. They are um, very much focused on um, some of the water infrastructure dams and reservoirs that are trying to some of those projects that are trying to take water from the pooter and we focus mainly on um, a collaborative approach to watershed management and forest and river restoration is that kind of your mission statement in a way Cool. Yes. Our mission is to improve and maintain the ecological health of the Poudre River watershed through community collaboration. Those are the most important parts of that entire mm. mission statement. Community, co- community yes. collaboration, because like I said, it's, it's a river that has a lot of different um, competing interests and needs. And we believe that the only way to address you know, all those different needs are through collaboration. Mm-hmm. So if there was a shout out to your community, um, like what, what's something you wish they knew or did or what they're doing to keep doing? 
That's a great question. <laughs> I think uh, the the biggest thing that comes to mind is um, I would ask people to learn more about their local watershed, whether it's the Pooter or you know, Roaring Fork, or they live in the Colorado River Basin, like start looking at what watershed do I live in? What issues is my watershed facing? How is climate change affecting the watershed that I live in? Because there's not a single person on earth that doesn't live in a watershed. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, this is where all of your drinking water is coming from. This is where you love to recreate. Um, you know, we wouldn't have food on the table without healthy watersheds. So I think just learning about the watershed you live in and how you can become involved either by giving your money, your time, um, you know, businesses can be a huge supporter in, in those efforts, like both philanthropically and with volunteer hours. But I think it starts with education and learning also about Colorado water law, I think is huge, especially we have such an influx of people coming here from all over the countries, but especially like the Midwest and, you know, even the Eastern U.S. where water is plentiful, they have totally different water rights and they don't um, necessarily understand the, the constraints that we're working with here living in the arid West. So mm-hmm. right. I would say, yeah, learn, learn about water law. <laughs> That'll be very eye-opening for you. Like to, to learn that every drop of water that falls is essentially owned more or less. And all of our rivers are over allocated. Um, it'll make you think twice about how you use your water on a daily basis. Mm. And what is that thinking twice about the way you use the water? If there could be a call out or a request how can we, with thinking twice, what can we do differently? Yeah, I think um, basic like water conservation practices can make a huge impact. It doesn't feel like it from an individual standpoint, but if everybody can implement water conservation practices, then it will um, it will make an impact, especially like in such a in a system that we're living in in, in the Western U.S. where it's such a finite resource. And now with, you know, we're living in right now, we are in a mega drought. Like it's not like an, if it's like it's happening and we need to do something and water restrictions will happen. So Mm -hmm. you're going to have like, you're going to have to prepare for that anyways, because it's, it will be imposed on us. So we should start just doing it now. There's a lot of different things you can do. Like uh, for instance, in, Colorado, they just recently passed um, some laws where we can have rain barrels now. Mm. Where before, like, you weren't even allowed to have a rain barrel. Um, right, because it wasn't really your water. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, even, even looking into, you know, maybe doing a rain barrel workshop and installing a rain barrel in your yard and collecting that rain and watering your garden with it or your or your Kentucky bluegrass, <laughs> mm. or maybe just, you know, taking out one half of your lawn and doing some cool xeriscaping. And a lot of the cities now have incentives for xeriscaping and they'll help you do all the plans and find all the plants and they'll actually give you rebates for xeriscaping. So there's some cool stuff you can do 
with that as well. Um, wow, yeah, that's really cool. Rebate because it's like solar and all these other things we can do, but a rebate for xeroscaping. That's I mean, progressive for Collins and <clears throat> I, I mean, I can't speak for every other city, but I know that I'm sure there's a lot of cities in the West that are looking at, at stuff, options like that, if they don't already have them in place. Wow. That's awesome. So even if you don't own, maybe you rent, maybe you can pitch it to the landlord, like, Hey, you can get a rebate help with this also, uh, low flow toilets. You, um, mm. we have rebates for those as well, but um, that's always a good option, like low flow shower heads and, and those are pretty cheap as well. And I know there's a lot of dirt bags listening to this, so <laughs> don't shower as much. <laughs> right. They're doing their part. <laughs> that's awesome. They're all, I know they're all doing their part out there. <laughs> all you dirt bag listeners. I am <laughs> one of them. I'll get off of Grand Canyon and be like, ah, do I really need a shower? Like yeah. I showered like yesterday in the river. <laughs> yeah. Your skin's probably never been better. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so recently last year, you um, actually t- like became a part of the nonprofit as an actual employee. So how, even in just in this last year, how has your life been impacted or changed since, since really taking on that position, if any? Sure. Um, I think the biggest impact has been, well, starting in a new job during COVID is always interesting. Luckily, mm. I, I <laughs> kind of knew a lot of the people already like not only at CPRW, but a lot of the partners that we work with just from living in Fort Collins for so long. Um, so that was interesting, but, uh, with the Cameron peak fire, that's just been just completely uh, like overwhelmed our, um, kind of our workload because we have so much, uh, post fire mitigation and restoration work to get done. So that's definitely been the kind of the biggest thing for us is dealing with that wildfire. Um, it's was over 200,000 acres and the biggest wildfire in Colorado recorded history. And most of it occurred within the Poudre river watershed. So that's a lot of work for our team. That's crazy. And I, um, I mean, you and I are talking today because of, uh, Laura, Laura, right. Smedley. Yep. Yeah. And she puts on, or she helps kind of facilitate the, um, Poudre river fest festival. And you guys are a nonprofit that, um, one of six that help kind of put this festival together. And we, we had a little talk beforehand. Cause I was asking her like, Hey, well, she reached out to me on through social media to see if I could just help uh, promote the, the festival. And I was like, well, let's get, let's, let's do an interview with someone with you. And she's like, well, I don't know if I'm right, the right person. And so she talked to me a little bit about, um, you know, how all the nonprofits came together to create this, this event. Can you talk a little bit about, um, when that was created, if you do know, and, um, why a bunch of nonprofits decided to come together versus just the city or, uh, a, a different entity? Sure. Yeah, so the Poudre River Fest, the first ever Poudre River Fest was May 2014. Um, and that was after the massive floods of 2013. So mm, okay. that was the impetus. We wanted to bring people together to better understand the river 
also celebrate it, you know, as kind of the lifeblood of our communities here in Northern Colorado, and then raise funds for flood mitigate or flood restoration work, but also like, um, you know, other projects within the watershed, uh, like forest and, and river restoration projects. So it kind of has, yeah, three different goals, um, educate, celebrate and restorate education, celebration and restoration. Mm. And, uh, it was just a handful of like-minded organizations. There's the bird conservancy of the Rockies national association for interpretation, wildlands restoration volunteers, the Cashlacuta river national heritage area and the city of Fort Collins. And then also of course, CPRW. And it was just staff members coming together to do all the organizing back then and just putting the festival on just with essentially volunteer time. And, uh, yeah, over time, it's just kind of developed into a larger festival. And, you know, in 2018, we had thousands of people that came out to join us in the celebrations. Um, in 2019, we had a kind of stepped back a little bit to do some kind of strategizing around how we wanted it to look moving into the future. So we had a, a little bit of a smaller event in 2019. And that was hosted by at New Belgium Brewing Company. And then in 2020, of course, we were going to have this huge, massive, <laughs> awesome festival and then pandemic. So that um, really like, like everyone, you know, we had to change our entire thought process and, and do the pivot to virtual. And so we ended up doing a seven day virtual festival that turned out to be really fun and we engaged with a lot of people around the um just different issues on the river and we had live music and webinars and um, videos and then also like self-guided tours so that was super fun and then as we started planning for 2021 we didn't quite know where we were going to be you know with coming out of the pandemic so we did a hybrid and so this year it's been a hybrid of virtual and in-person is kind of as we've moved towards August, which is our last day of Poudre River Fest activities, August 21st, that's going to be a fully in-person event at New Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to New Belgium who have been uh, incredible sponsors for that event and just for the Poudre River watershed in general, they um, support a lot of different projects on the river and all, just all the craft breweries and Fort Collins are amazing in supporting the work that needs to be done in the watershed. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, beer, beer is mostly water. Yeah. And if they're going to, you know, make it their, their business, it's like, they've got to, instead of fighting the laws and the policies, like aligning, I really see Colorado um, switch the, their relationships to be like, okay, not only aligning, but teaching, educating, you know, celebrating, like when you say celebrate, educate or education, celebration, restoration, like that's also what a lot of breweries are doing. I see um, even with or without aligning with nonprofits or, or creating river festivals. They realize for sure how, you know, important water is, but they also, I think, see um, 
that the people that drink their beer are really connected mm-hmm. to sources as well, like from a recreational standpoint or, um, you know, what they do for a living. So yeah, it, it's definitely not anything that they can ignore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, in Fort Collins, they've very much embraced that the role of helping care for our river. Yeah. This coming year, uh, the 2021 hybrid is kind of a virtual and in-person. And I know you guys have already had events so far, right? Yeah. Some virtual ones. And as we get closer, you start to do a little bit more um, in-person. Can you talk about the, the events that have already happened and then um, what the event, the last final event looks like? Sure. So um, we had an event in May and that was focused around... Um, let me pull up the schedule here. That'll. Sorry. No, that's awesome. No, that's um, great. So yeah, we did a, we did an event in May that was focused around wildlife mm. on Twitter. That was on May seventh, and that was um, pretty much all virtual. And we did some cool stuff like uh, bird watching and um, just learning about how wild. Uh, how the watershed is important to, you know, wildlife in this area. And then actually tomorrow, June 25th, we're um, having our recreation day. And so we'll be doing a lot of different activities, both virtual and in person around recreation on the pooter, including fly fishing, uh, boating, uh, kayaking and whitewater rafting are huge in this area and really popular sports. So That'll be fun. Um, And then um, also like some biking tours and bird watching activities again. So some fun stuff there tomorrow. And then everyday water is going to be covered in on July 15th. And that actually will include a panel with a handful of different brewers in town talking about the importance of water to the brewing Mm. process. And uh, in particular, like how the wildfires affect water quality and how they handle those types of issues. And uh, yeah, so that'll be a really interesting panel. And then um, we'll end on August 21st with our big celebration. And that'll be an in-person event with some live music at New Belgium. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and that's really just going to be getting everyone together in person again, finally, and we'll have booths set up. Uh, so you'll be able to learn a lot about different organizations working on the river, but then really just drink some good beer and listen to music and, um, you know, meet, meet some new friends and gather with some old friends. Hell yeah. Like the good old days. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so it's cool because when you were talking about, you know, each event moving forward that you're also honoring the events you just had and, and continuing that, that conversation, like continuing the wildlife. And then in July, probably continuing the recreation. And then in August, continuing the everyday water, the recreation, the wildlife, just so it's like a reminder of it, all of it's connected yeah. in a way. And to, uh, to, I mean, you're probably going to get different people. So like, Re- reviewing that and then adding more to it. Um, hence the education piece first and foremost. And we kind of skipped over this, but the Cashel of Pooter, can you talk a little bit about the name of it and the history around just um, like the early settlement of it? 
Sure. Yeah. So as the story kind of goes, um, there was some French uh, trappers that were moving through this area in uh, the 1800s, I think, or early 1800s. And they were caught in a snowstorm and had a bunch of supplies with them. And I think they needed to keep moving, but do it quicker and couldn't take all their supplies with them. So they stashed a bunch of stuff, including their gunpowder. So in French, it's cash la poudre is stash the powder, um, which if you ever come up here in the winter, we have some great backcountry skiing. So it does uh, kind of work well <laughs> with our winter activities. But uh, yeah, it that's how the story goes. Obviously, there were um, you know, Native Americans living in this area for thousands and thousands of years before any Europeans or Euro-Americans arrived. And there are um, some different names um, that that they called the Pooter. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot pronounce them, so I'm not even going to try. But I would encourage people to look into some of the first peoples that lived here. And um, this was a really actually important area for hunting and gathering for a handful of different tribes and also an important meeting area for, for some Mm. of the the tribes in this area. So um, yeah, this was a really important river to, um, to people for tens of thousands of years. Um, And it continues to be. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and just when you said, you know, it was a place, uh, a meeting place, your mission statement of community collaboration, I mean, it's been that for a long time, you know, with, with tribes coming together and collaborating and working together and, and continuing on. If you look at the, the Cache La Poudre River National Heritage Area website, it's pooderheritage.org. Mm. They have some resources there, um, including videos about uh, some of the Native Americans that lived in this area. Cool. And, and I will put that did, in the show notes for sure. Yeah, they did a really cool um, video series. So I actually worked for this organization before I worked at CPRW. Hmm, Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Another another connection to the river. But um, we did a project called Lifting Voices from the Shadows. And it was an oral history project with Northern Arapaho women. Hmm. And then they also interviewed a handful of different Northern Arapaho elders about the importance of the Poudre River to their people and their culture and, and the history of the area and how they used to use this area. So that's a really good resource for people to check out. That's awesome. I will definitely put the, all of that in the show notes and, and really honoring, you know, it's, it's past, it's present and it's future and, um, and all the people involved and that, that had a relationship with it because we'll continue to have relationships with it and hopefully your son, like the, the next generation and really understanding. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I feel like sometimes gets missed is like tipping a hat to the older generation. And I I feel like there's something that's getting missed with really looking to the elders in the past for, um, for a set of standards that should be continued and honored and moved forward instead of just like, I'm coming in here cause I've got my own agenda and the, and, and not that it's, it's selfish, but it's just, I think it's an, a lack of understanding, especially like with river guiding. It is, it's you're teaching and you're being, you're, you're being a steward and an elder of the river, you know, and sometimes like, Oh, it's just my summer job and I get 10 and which I thought 
you know, at, at the beginning. And then I, I worked for a company that really taught me um, and, and helped me understand and respect the whole greater system, like a trip leader, like you see the bigger picture. So nice. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious. So if you were to, to wave a magic wand and the, the festival was kind of in the next, um, the next phase with celebration, education and restoration, what would be some key things that would continue to move there? Each one of those uh, dials forward or goals. Sure. Um, I would love to see more of the Northern Colorado community involved in the festival. So possibly moving into some different locations throughout um, Northern Colorado, like mm. uh, Greeley and Windsor, um, which are out more on the plains. Uh, it's kind of been focused more on Fort Collins. So I'd love to see it um, kind of expand a bit. And uh, from a from a restoration standpoint, I would love to see us raise way more money to <laughs> for our river restoration projects because there's so much work that needs to be done. And um, yeah, my, I would love to see just millions of dollars pouring in from the community mm-hmm. <laughs> to get this work done. Cause we're always underfunded, like every nonprofit, mm-hmm. but it's just such critical work that affects every single person living in the Poudre watershed. So if I could wave my magic wand, (laughs) I would hope that everyone sees just how critical the work is and they would contribute in some way, their dollars or volunteer time or just telling their friends and family about the importance of the work. I mean, I know that from a nonprofit perspective, you're always asking and requesting and writing letters, but is there... Like, is there things that you've thought of that no one's doing? They're like, that would be so cool if I owned a brewery, if I owned a shop, if I owned um, and ran, you know, even just like, like a, like a daycare, like what are some cool ideas you've had? The, the breweries have been incredible in supporting um, CPRW's work and the Poudre River Fest. And then just a lot of the environmental organizations in town. Um, especially Odell Brewing Company. I already mentioned New Belgium. Um, All Kind Kombucha, which is a company owned by Odell Brewing Company. Mm. Um, Horse and Dragon, their incredible little brewery in town that um, their owners, Tim and Carol Cochran, have just done a bunch of really cool like collaborations and then also just donating money. And um, so there's been a lot of different beers brewed in honor <laughs> so I hope to see that type of work continue um, but also just like um, in-kind donations are huge so any business that um, can do in-kind donations is really helpful when we're doing silent auctions and raffles and giveaways to try to um, you know encourage people to donate to our organizations so um, also uh, volunteering is is really critical with um, Puda River Fest, CPRW, and all of our partners. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of the the big ways that really any type of business can get involved. You know, it doesn't have to be just like a, a massive 
brewery with a ton of money. It can be like a small business that, you know, gives a percentage of their profits, you know, for the day or off a percentage from one product. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can collaborate. Cool. So if they're listening and they're just loving what you have to say, um, or they have an idea for a friend who has a business, or maybe they have a connection, um, what kind of, how would you like them to, to reach out to you and get involved? Sure. Yeah. If you're interested in supporting the coalition for the Poudre River watershed, you can email me, Megan Mayola Heath at Megan, M E G A N at poudrewatershed.org. And that's P O U D R E watershed.org. Cool. And then if you're interested in supporting the Poudre River Fest, either as a sponsor or you want to have a booth or you just want to learn more, you can uh, visit the website, which is poudreriverfest.org. And then there is a button there that just says get involved and that will connect you um, to our event coordinator, Laura Smedley, and she can give you all the information you would need to become uh, involved as a sponsor or donor or volunteer with the festival. Cool. Yeah. She did her part because she reached out to me and I was like, let's do an interview. So she's a great person to have on your team. And she's amazing. Yeah. She, she was great to get to know. And I was like, I can't come to your, uh, to the festival on the grand Canyon. Oh, bummer. (laughs) (laughs) But I will definitely, I told her, I think it'd be cool next year to come out and, um, almost make it a live interview and just chat with the people and like, Hey, you know, what, what are you learning? Um, What's something that has surprised you and who have you brought with you and how has this affected you from last year? And I'm just excited to ask all the questions in a, in a live kind of um, just walk through. So I told her I was excited for that next year. Um, You can't get, get rid of me that fast. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. So I'm like, um, I mean, that's how I've seen that I can be and play a part and be a steward of the rivers by teaching, you know, getting people involved and getting them stoked with whitewater sand and paddleboarding and river surfing. That's the, that's, you gotta have a door. You gotta have a really like pretty sparkly door that opens it up. And then as you're paddling, you see garbage. As you're paddling, you see things that you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's what we deal with, you know? And that's what we have to, either we, we paddle past that piece of garbage that's floating in the river, we pick it up and we, and, you know, next time you'll have a little bag that, you know, that like, Hey, I have this and I can make the garbage go somewhere and, and uh, do my part. And I think that that's, there's the little things that, like you said, it doesn't feel like a lot, but it is if we all have that collective consciousness. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's been really awesome to to chat with you. And I'm just curious, like, um, both professionally and personally for you, like what's on the horizon line and what are you working for uh, towards and what are you excited about? Great question. (laughs) Um, I mean, my personal and professional life are pretty tied up (laughs) here in, in the, in the watershed. I Mm -hmm. just, I spend a lot of time on the river and, um, skiing up Cameron pass and, and then just working and my husband's a hydrologist for the city of Fort Collins. So he's kind of very intertwined as well. So yeah. and this is probably our home for, uh, for this foreseeable future. So I think just continuing to 
advocate for the river and try to get as many people to fall in love with the Puda River like we have. So that's what I plan to spend my life doing for <laughs> for the foreseeable future. <laughs> well, it's awesome that you've intertwined it in a way that you're like, well, I mean, it's really like, you know, I can't disconnect them, but I feel, I feel very similarly about my relationship to the river. And it's, it's cool that, you know, that even with the weight of it professionally, it still doesn't trump the personal passion and drive that you have for it. And that's when you really know that you've found something that's, you know, that really nurtures you because it's, you can fight for it, but then it also fulfills you. And um, that's a pretty cool place to be. <laughs> That feels good. Yeah. And to have a family around it and for your son to grow up in it and um, he'll, he'll see it the way you both see it because you, I, I see you care about educating not only him, but, you know, um, taking the time to, for your community and especially for this conversation as well. So yeah, thanks again so much. And, and just um, as people are listening and they're, they're just excited to just see what you look like and find you online. Are there places that you want people to go to, to check in with you, to follow you, to support you? Sure. Yeah. If you are interested in learning more about a uh, coalition for the Poudre River watershed, you can go to poudrewatershed.org. And we also have uh, social media at Pooter Watershed or the, the, the at sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's our handle for, I think most of our accounts and then the Pooter River Fest uh, is pooterriverfest.org and they are at Pooter River Fest for all their social media accounts. So I encourage you to definitely visit both those websites. They have a lot of, resources and information about some of the stuff we talked about today and yeah I invite you to come check out the Poudre River in person it's a beautiful area to visit and a lot to do so come see us hell yeah and if people are listening and they're like they're gonna go to the festival and they want to just meet you and say hi and say they listen to this episode which would be so cool because then we we really did the shout out and people listened and followed through but like uh if people want to just find you and say hi at the festival where are you gonna be and how can they find you so we'll have a booth set up. Um, I hate to say this, but I'm actually not going to be at the August 21st event. Oh, really? I'm going to be on a river trip. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> Where are you going to go? Um, Gates of Lador. Oh, it's <laughs> my favorite stretch. Yeah, so oh. feel bad. Oh, dang. I'm missing this awesome event but you can come visit all of my friends. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm bummed to be missing that, but we'll have uh, representatives from all the different organizations that put on the Poudre River Fest at that event. And then a lot of other different businesses and nonprofits that are going to be participating with booths. And then, of course, all the New Belgium folks will be there um, slang and beer. So it should be a really fun time. Cool. As we kind of come to an end, I just want to acknowledge you. Thank you for fighting for the watershed and for finding a place that that you care a lot about and also for raising the next generation. And, um, you know, and, and with more education and, and safety and 
things like that, we can get this next generation loving and enjoying the river just like we do. And so thank you again for your time and efforts and all this. And it's been really awesome to get to know you. And uh, I'm excited to meet you one day. And and for you to see my favorite stretch in the world is the Gates of Lodore. So say hello to, to Hell's Half Mile and Lucifer for me. <laughs> Give a little kiss with your left oar. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, absolutely. And, and I just have a closing question. Um, you know, when you think about the river and all the lessons it's taught you, what would you say is the biggest lesson? That's a good question. I think... Uh... I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is just that the the only constant is change. So just mm-hmm. embrace change, and um, you know I think rivers teach us that, but they also teach us how to be present. So if you can, you know, learn to to be present, it'll help you get through like hard times and difficult change that occurs in your life. So. Um, yeah, if you can ever just take the time to go sit on the side of a river, it's a good place to be present. Yeah, just go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that I love it. Rivers. <laughs> but, yep, they do. Go with the flow. Be go present. Flow, <laughs> well, thanks again, and, and I appreciate your time, and I hope you have an awesome summer, and I hope to meet you one day, and um, I hope people reach out to you and just say hey and, and get involved. Great. that just make me super happy so awesome thanks all right Mom. yeah thanks megan take care and uh cheers to clean runs downstream indeed <laughs> cheers well that's our show thank you so much for joining me in this conversation with megan mayola heath to donate to cprw or to sign up for the Poudre river festival click the links in our show notes for more info and resources to support If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, make sure and share this link with someone you think would benefit from it too. And a quick reminder to subscribe to Eddie Out on social, as well as giving us that five-star rating and review. I'm very grateful for you taking the time to listen in with me today. And until next time, big hits, big fun, good health, and high water. Cheers. Cheers.